Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Why would I ever have something I wanted to do and not do it? Like if I wanted to go on this trip, so this is the longest road trip you can make in, in North America from the southernmost point to the northernmost point. Well, if that's sitting in my head for so many years and I didn't do it, wow, shame on me. A simple and wonderful reminder to go do the travel thing that you want to do, the thing that's weighing on your mind. For Tom, that was this massive road trip, the longest road trip you can take in the continental U.S. from Key West, Florida to Dead Horse, Alaska, and he shares his adventures in this episode with you today as we continue Upgrade Your Bucket List Destination Week. Thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for allowing me the privilege to bring a little travel into your ears this week. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. And we're road tripping today. I thought it would be good to throw a nice road trip in here. 9,000 miles this one. (laughs) No small trip. Road tripping, of course, one of my favorite ways to travel. And Tom is no stranger to road trips. He is pretty well known in the automotive space. He's known as the barn find hunter. He travels around and finds these sort of hidden car collections, these classic cars that are just hanging out in different barns all over the place. He has also traced Route 66 in a 1939 Ford Woody Wagon. He has followed the Lincoln Highway coast to coast behind the wheel of a 1926 Model T Ford. The guy has put some miles under his tires, let's say. And so it was really cool to hear his thoughts and perspectives on what is perhaps the most epic American road trip. And along the way, you're going to hear his thoughts and advice on what type of vehicle setup to travel with when you're road tripping on a massive journey like this, how one of the quote-unquote crummy towns he ended up staying in turned into be one of the favorites in terms of destinations for him. And along those lines, stick around on the back end of the interview. I want to share a thought that ties in with that. Just bookmark that because uh, this is one of those travel reminders. No matter where you're going, you could say this is one of the top things to remember as a traveler. And we all know it, but uh, I think it ties in with that. So anyway, you'll hear a bit of of a story from that quote-unquote crummy town Uh, You're going to hear about the least impressive spot he visited, which might surprise you, as well as why he hates using a GPS, why he doesn't like doing research before he travels, and a ton more. So let's get into the interview. Quick reminder, first of all, subscribe or follow the podcast if you haven't done that. We're doing three episodes a week for the remainder of the year, which is super exciting. And also I've got a free newsletter, zerototravel.com slash newsletter. You can sign up over there and get the new episodes right in your inbox. And 
that's all I got for you. So I will see you on the other side, my friends. And thanks, and please enjoy my conversation with Tom. Yes, I saw the cover, man. It looks incredible. I mean, yeah, it was an incredible, incredible trip. America's greatest road trip, Key West to Dead Horse, 9,000 miles across back road USA. I'm going to say Tom Cotter, formerly welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend, co-author of this book, right? Or author of this book, and then the photography was done by somebody else? Yep, yep. Uh, this is the sixth book that Michael Allen Ross and I have done together, and my and my 17th book. I, that's crazy. I read that. So you guys... Almost 9,000 miles together, 8,881 miles, I think it was together. You got it. What yep. the hell did you guys talk about the whole time? You know, that looks like a decent campground. Let's head in that direction. <laughs> it's, let's find a coffee shop. Uh, that's a beautiful road. When I was driving, you know, he, he had to come up with the conversation. When he was driving, I was literally sitting in the passenger seat writing because you, you can't write a, a 70,000 word manuscript from memory you've got to write it in real time and so i i basically wrote it from the passenger seat how do you balance that i was always curious that line between being present soaking in the travel experience whatever's going on and then documenting it yeah well that's why you got to do it in real time it's uh the the waitress that you interview in in alabama you're not going to remember her when you're in north dakota or in yukon or in Fairbanks, Alaska. So, I, I mean, wherever wherever I went, it it was me, my pen, and my notebook. Because, you know, as that person was talking to me, I'm I'm writing notes. I'm getting quotes. Michael's taking pictures, and uh, so it, it really worked out well. In fact, it's it is uh, a little bit unusual in that when you're in the middle of a trip like this, uh, you know what? Let's take that road over there. I've never been to North Dakota. That's my 50th state. Let's make a hard right and go to North Dakota, whatever. Uh, but you can't see the forest for the trees. You're, you're living moment by moment. And only when you write the manuscript and look at it at two months after the trip's over. And I called Michael. I said, holy crap, what a trip this was. Like, I got to read it almost as a spectator because, you know, the the the, the, the guy that did the trip was somebody else. It was me, but it was somebody else. He was in the middle of it. He never saw it. Now I got to see it from 30,000 feet. So a pretty amazing trip. Speaking of seeing it from 30,000 feet, this has never happened to me, but I went into Google Maps just to look at the visual of the route plugged in Key West, Florida to Dead Horse. And Google Maps actually had to zoom out to about 30,000 feet. It actually like zoomed out so you could see the planet so they could show you the whole route. I'm like, this is a serious road trip when they're actually having to zoom out to show you the whole planet. I mean, how long did it take? How many weeks? Well, you know, if, if you if you map quest Key West Dead Horse, you can do it in about less than 7,000 miles. Uh, and you can do it if you if you were insane and never stopped driving, just continually drove. You could make it there in like a, seven days. But you can't write a book about that. And that would be all interstate highways. And so we decided we're going to take all two-lane roads. And so uh, there was no hurry. The, the deal was we wanted to see America off the grid. I have this theory that interstate America, that same exit that's in Pen Pennsylvania is the same exit that's in California, you get off and there's an Applebee's and there's a Petco and there was a Walmart Supercenter. You could take that same exit and bring it anywhere across the United States. So it's a generic exit and that's generic America. We wanted to see a very specific America, the old, the old downtowns and meet people who are seldom interviewed, people who live a hundred miles from the nearest Walmart. And, you know, they have to go shopping there once a week. They drive a hundred miles in and shop and drive a hundred miles home. And, and those people are, are pretty cool people. Yeah. Yeah. How do you initiate those conversations? I have no problem starting conversations. It's, uh, first of all, we, the Bronco that Ford gave us, it was fully lettered up. So it got attention everywhere, you know? So, the, and that's the idea is like when we pulled into a gas station, the, it said Key West to Dead Horse and had graphics all over it. And, and that's there just for to start conversations in campgrounds at restaurants 
uh, rest areas, that kind of thing. And everybody, you know, what, what are you, what, what are you doing here? Wow, what, where, where are you going? And suddenly, you tell them a little about your life, and then they tell you a lot about their life, and whether they're driving a truck or riding a BMW adventure motorcycle or whatever, round the world trips. Everybody's got a story to tell. They do. Yeah. Can you share a couple that really stick with you from the journey? Yeah. Um, one one gentleman who was on a BMW motorcycle, he was on a four-year trip around the world. And his wife and son were running a business that he had on the island of Pau. And I'm not quite, don't remember how to spell that. But it's a, uh, uh, he had a dive business, a skydiving business. Um uh, and and so they were running that business and he's on this adventure and so we t- we're talking he had just come from dead horse i said where are you going next he said i'm going to the tip of south america really i said i would love to do that trip from the tip of north america to the tip of south america but i said i'm afraid of central america i am you know drug cartels and kidnappings and i said i'm just not that brave he said you know what? Americans are not that brave. He was originally from Israel, now lives on a, on a South Pacific island. He said, Americans have so much, yet they're so unwilling to share. And when I travel to places in India and Central America, people that are dead poor, they want to give me whatever they can because they want they want me to give them the story of my life what I'm doing here and they want to share what they have and they'll give me the last bit of food for free it was really it was quite amazing and so he's the, the the line that he gave me which I'll never forget is a tourist needs directions but a traveler is never lost and he is a traveler wherever he goes that's where he is and there's no agenda when I'm tired of this road I'll go on that road just an amazing, an amazing man. So, you know, he ta- he gave me lessons at a Chinese restaurant. I saw this adventure motorcycle outside a Chinese restaurant in Yukon, Canada. And he gave me lessons that I'll remember the rest of my life. Yeah, those are beautiful moments, those, those interactions. You know, you can read books and you can surf the web and all that stuff. But there's something special about the person-to-person conversation and what you can take away from somebody else's wisdom and their life story. And you know, you never know when it's going to hit you. Like those words hit you at a different day might mean something different. You know, it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, this is a book that I had had in my head for years and it took several generations of, of kind of planning for it. Originally I was going to take a vintage car. You know, I've done a number of travel books I drove a Model T Ford across the United States. I've driven Route 66 in a 39 Ford Woody Wagon. I've done a, lot, a number of these books. And originally, it was going to be a vintage car or maybe a car I would buy on eBay in Florida and then sell in Alaska, tell the story about the trip and the breakdowns, whatever. And then I said, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't concentrate on the car in this book. I shouldn't concentrate on the trip and I shouldn't concentrate on the people. And the car would just be a conveyance to take us from one place to another to meet a different group of people. So Ford loaned us a new Bronco and Airstream loaned us a new trailer. And that took a little bit of fancy footwork to make that all happen because I told Ford I had Airstream. I told Airstream I had Ford and I really had neither. (laughs) (laughs) I like your style, Tom. There's a, that's fake it till you make it. That's what that's called. (laughs) Well, you know, there's an old race driver who's now deceased, um, Carol Shelby. He invented the Cobra, the AC Cobra, because he told AC he had Ford. He told Ford he had AC. I took a, a page from his from his uh, songbook. So, um, so it was it was something that we didn't have to worry about breakdowns. We didn't have to worry about you know a radiator hose on an old car breaking off, or whatever. It's a brand new car. Plus, it was it was a brand new vehicle that everybody wanted to see. So you know, Ford loaned us the hottest car that they had. Um, a year ago, which was the Ford Bronco. And that was a bit of a challenge because they said, look, we don't need publicity for this vehicle. We can, we're can. we already three years behind on production on this thing. We have so many people wanting it. So when we went to a gas station, well, can I see it? I've got one on order. I want to order one for my kid, whatever. So that was kind of, kind of cool. So we became spokespersons for not only the Ford brand, but also Airstream because we they gave us this 16-foot uh, 
base camp trailer, a brand new type of trailer that's actually was designed by a BMW designer. And uh, so this, this very contemporary rig took us from one end of the North America to the other. And it was, it was, it was the way to go. Hmm. I, I should mention just so people know you're a, you're an expert on cars. I mean, this is something you're obsessed with. You're, you're also known as the barn find, barn find hunter. hunter. Yeah. You're, you're kind of a YouTube star in a way, right? I mean, you, you go around and you find these old classic cars that are just sitting around somebody's barn for whatever reason they spent $48,000 on a car in 1970. And it's just been sitting there. I, that, that I can't comprehend. I've read a couple of the stories, yeah, I, I just wanted to throw that out there because the focus on the cars, people might be thinking, well, why did why are they just giving this guy a car? Well, I mean, you've been, like you said, you've written a lot of books and you've done a lot of work in the automotive industry. You know, I was just curious because you have such a wealth of experience with, with cars and vehicles, and then you have all the travel experience traveling around and doing these shows and things like that. You mentioned the Airstream and, and the, whole, the whole setup you had kind of being a great way to do it. All brands aside, I'm just curious what you learned from traveling through the States with the car-trailer combo. Because I think that this is something, just going to the nuts and bolts of cars, and I, want, I have some travel questions too. You know, This is a big consideration for people when they're thinking about... Well, a lot of my audience, they go out and they're traveling for months, or they're becoming nomadic, or they're doing you know, whatever. And you have the options. You have the RV option. You have the car trailer option. You have the, I could drive around and just bring my camping stuff with me option. You know, there's all the van life, you know, the tricked out van thing. I was just curious, like, how did you find the the car trailer experience? What did you like about it? What did you not like about it? Where was it really beneficial in terms of the travel experience? Well, I had the benefit of not having to have purchased either one of these. So of course. I suppose <laughs> you know, your, your, your listeners can look up rental options but um we wanted to kind of remain independent of hotels and if we found a good place an interesting place to stay in montana cowboy country that we didn't want to have to leave and drive 75 miles to a hotel but we wanted to stay right there and and so we had the kind of the flexibility to do that we would stay in formal campgrounds we could stay in uh, walmart parking lots we might just pull off on the side of the road and stay on the on a stream. Um, whatever, whenever we decided the day was over, we were ready to set up camp, and and that camp, you know, included a campfire, and usually sometimes it was a picnic table, and we would bring out our red wine and our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and and that's that was what dinner was for the night. <laughs> yeah, Michelin star dinner, right? <laughs> uh, so you know, it was. Uh, I'm I'm really happy we chose this route because my previous trips, road trips, have been staying in some sort of accommodations. Whether it was somebody on Facebook offering us a place to stay in their in their house for a night, or <laughs> one guy collected Volkswagen campers and allowed me to camp out in his Volkswagen camper in his backyard overnight, which kind of gave me my Jerry Garcia moment. And, you know, like I got to I got to live the uh, the life of uh, a Grateful Dead fan uh, 40 years after the fact. Uh, but I, I'm really happy we chose that because it did give us the independence to really travel off the grid and, and meet people and see things that are that seldom go unseen. Yeah. You have an interesting career, I'd say. You've been able to combine your love of cars and travel and road trips. Can you share some advice on... Just that, building a life or a business around something you love. I'm not sure if that was intentional, if it just sort of happened to you. I mean, for you, is it essential to combine work with what you love? So it does not, I mean, it's work, but it's, you know, fun and play. I'm just curious of your philosophy on that, how that came together for you. And really just kind of looking for some advice for anybody listening that's interested in like, you know what? I have this passion. I have this passion. How can I do some passion mashing, you call it? And uh, no, I get it. I, well, I'm a, I'm a one-trick pony. I, I am a car guy through and through i've i've never played golf i've never hunted uh, i've held a fishing pole twice in my life i i really you know I'm, I'm the perfect example if you do one thing eventually you get it right and so whether it was auto racing or the automotive industry writing about cars selling cars repairing cars i've 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 managed to make my life work uh, at every level of that and other people you know 
they wasted time going to medical school or they wasted time becoming architects or, you know, uh, builders or dentists or whatever. To me, I didn't have that bandwidth. I had one, I had, my bandwidth was big enough to be a car guy and I didn't, I wasn't distracted by other industries, other passions. And, you know, I guess I just got into the business at the right time. I know every end of it. I mean, I, you know, on the manufacturer's end, I had as clients, Mercedes Benz, Ford, uh, BMW. Uh, and on the racing side, I've worked in NASCAR, Formula One, um, IndyCar, motorcycle racing. I've worked by myself on a keyboard in my den. And I've had a, I owned a company that had 90 employees and all we did was auto racing. So it's been a wonderful life. And this, this is kind of now the, the frosting on the cake that I can now pick and choose what I want to do as far as projects like this. And, you know, I hope I have a few more of them in me. Who was your role model growing up? There's a couple of them I have one, you know, but they're, they're role models, but they're not, specifically what I became. Dan Gurney, a race driver. Briggs Cunningham, a race car driver and a builder. Uh, my boss at Charlotte Motor Speedway, Humpy Wheeler. These are people that inspired me because they just rose to the top, the, the top of the heap. They just like, through hard work and talent and maybe some luck, they just made it. And I said, you know what? If, if I work hard, maybe I can make it too. And so far it's working out. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos, and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why. We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. How do you define success for yourself? Is that something you've thought about? Because you know you can run in that tendency of, Oh, I've made it, but now I need more. I got to get to this level and kind of always chasing the the next thing. You know, I've, I've never um, kind of been on that treadmill where I had to have some kind of financial reward to prove that I made it. My reward is waking up every day. I'm going to have the best day of my life today. And tomorrow I'm going to have the same feeling. And I, I promise you that I've never had one moment of depression in my life because I've surrounded myself with things and activities that I just totally dig. And uh, so, you know, 
a pot of gold. I've I've sold an I've sold a company. I was able to buy a Cobra. You know that was that was amazing. But I don't I didn't need that to kind of have as a badge that I I made it. If I never owned a Cobra, that would be fine. But I happen to, and that's fine too. So I'm I'm happy wherever. I'm ha- I'm as happy meeting somebody with a rusty piece of junk car in their barn as I am meeting somebody with a brand new Ferrari. In fact, I'm even happier because my thing is to find the story out about that rusty piece of junk in the barn. It's not just finding the car. It's the story of how it got there. And that's where I've made my living in the most recent years, both on Barn Find Hunter, uh, my YouTube program, and through my books. Is that an actual intention you you say in the morning? Do you actually say to yourself, I'm going to have the best the best day at least that i mean because you know there's just there's too many people that are taken off this earth uh before they're ready and you know whether it's through illness or an accident whatever and i feel like wow you know if i was taken off this earth tomorrow i had a pretty good life with that intention in mind just wanting to essentially live every day so you have no regrets exactly mm-hmm. so you know a trip like this is like i said frosting on the cake why would I ever have something I wanted to do and not do it? Like if I wanted to go on this trip, so this is the longest road trip you can make in, in North America from the southernmost point to the northernmost point. Well, if that's sitting in my head for so many years and I didn't do it, wow, shame on me. So what my books do and my YouTube programs do, even if your listeners never – have the ability to do a trip like this they can live through through my experience there were two people involved in this trip myself and my friend michael allen ross the photographer but we bring i'd like to bring a million people along for the ride i'd like them to be in the back seat and experience everything we did so if if they can't make it on their own well you know they can they can jump in the back and join me that's that's one of the things that drives you when you're putting all the work in because it takes a lot of effort to write a book and piece it together and curate it and take the pictures you want to match and tell the stories and you must be passionate about storytelling as you mentioned i, I love storytelling I, yeah. that, that's my i think if god gave me a talent it, it's that i through words or through talking I, I can tell a pretty good story with your program, I know you you find cars the old-fashioned way. You like to just show up and ask around as opposed to doing research or kind of crowdsourcing, which some people do nowadays, particularly for a project like that where you're you know, filming and all that kind of stuff. I'm guessing that that's, you kind of take the same mentality to travel as well, to find those hidden treasures of travel. Is it the same way you seek out those hidden treasures as little cars? It's just like show up and ask around kind of thing? Yep. I, yep. Just yeah, I mean, I think research takes the spontaneity away from uh, a discovery, whether that discovery is an old car in a building or you know what's a, what's over that bridge. It's like I I, I try to uh, attack these things in my life um, like like a child, like everything. I'm amazed. I'm happy, and so there are, there's a program that you're probably familiar with called uh, American Pickers. And American Pickers is a, a show that these two guys go around the country and and buy old things in people's barns and their attics or whatever. And these things might be, you know, an old gas pump, a rocking chair, an old sign. It seems to be spontaneous, but it's not. It's they put out, you know, notices months ahead of time, show us what you've got. You send them pictures of what you got and everything's negotiated if there's a purchase or whatever, well ahead of time. And then they show up, the lighting's yeah, yeah. in place. Yeah, and, that's reality TV. I'm using air quotes. That's reality TV. It is, right? right. I mean, that's what they do. Right. And <laughs> and, and so my my thing is that, you know, I don't, I don't want to fall victim to that same, uh, that's not real, you know, like it's not real. So and I reinforce it over and over to my, viewers that you know like i'm 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 going into a town that i've never been to before and whether it's writing a book about driving through north america or looking for a rusty ford falcon um i don't know i'm if it's there i'll find it maybe maybe i won't but uh it's 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 authentic i promise you and it is reality tv (laughs) do you believe in serendipity 
Yeah, I do. I do. It's uh, if the stars and the moons align and I was meant to find whatever it is, I'll find it. I'm, I feel sure of that. In fact, it, it, what I would like to do, and I, I, I will still do this. I've, I've talked to my film crew about this. I would like to fly from the east coast of the United States to the west coast. And at 33,000 feet, look out the window and see a little town. I have no idea what town it is. And ask the flight attendant, excuse me, can you please ask the pilot what town that is? And she'll come back and say, well, that's blah, 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 Kansas. Then you take a return flight, go to that town in Kansas, Kansas, and and look for cars in that town. Yeah. I, I, I feel sure I can do that. Right. Yeah, that's kind of like the uh, real world version of spinning the globe with your finger on it and wherever it stops, that's where you land. That's exactly it. <laughs> so in some ways, this this book was was very much like that, is that we had no plan, no agenda. We knew we had about four weeks to get from from Key West. Which, and there's, some, there's a place they call the, the southernmost point. So if you were able to see across the water, you could see Cuba. So that's the southernmost point you can go in the United States. And... We knew we had four weeks to get to Seattle. Now, that trip could be made much faster than that, but what's the hurry? So we knew we had about four weeks to get there. Then we took four weeks off, and and I went home here to Maine and met my film crew, and we did some more uh, episodes for Born Fine Hunter. And Michael went back to California, and he had a bunch of commercial shoots to do, photography for Porsche and whatever. So we drove four weeks, we took off four weeks, and then we met again in Seattle and drove four more weeks up to the top oh, yeah. of uh, North yeah. America. Yeah. So that's like, a nice way to do it, to break it yeah, up like that. You so we get... got to catch up with life. And then we, okay, well, we'll see you again in four weeks and we're on the right. road again. Right. Like, I'm so tired I, of I, looking I, at your face. Let me, let me refresh and let me come back and, you know, we'll, we'll work this out. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, traveling, traveling with a, uh, you know, somebody in a 16 foot trailer that I'm not uh, emotionally attracted to. That was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> uh, you know, but so I asked the people at Airstream, I said, can two guys travel in a trailer like this that are not, you know, romantically involved? And she said, well, yeah, but you're going to hate each other. And, you know, thankfully uh, we didn't hate each other. You know, we're looking forward to doing another book now. So, um, you could you could make it happen, as long as you lay off the chili, you know. Then you guys oh, are geez. okay, right? No, sorry, sorry, I went there. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna skip over that. And uh, I have a, I have a series of questions I'm gonna bombard you with because this is a this is quite a long route, and I wanted to kind of hear some of the highlights. You you don't you don't know any of these questions. I'm just gonna throw them at you yeah, and give yeah, me your yeah, gut go. reaction. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Don't overthink it, but that first thing, best cup of coffee you had. Where was it? Well, you know what? We, we had a series of coffee stops we made along the way. It was, and Michael's got a, an Instagram post called My Morning Mug. And every day he posts where he gets coffee. So we kind of transferred that to this book. I'd say the single best was the Alaskan Brewing Company in Anchorage. It, it kind of, because it's not just the product of coffee, which we both love. But it was—it's the environment you walk in. It's—it's it's, there's an energy in a good coffee shop. It's the music they play. It's the—it's the things they have on the wall, and it turns out that this—the guy who owns this uh, coffee shop, very successful, lives in Hawaii most of the time. He's a Formula One fan, and there were Formula One, you know, posters around inside this building. There were people working on their computers. There were people eating breakfast. They made great pizza at lunch. They had beer at dinner time. We went down several times. So. It would be Alaska Brewing Company. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. When you get involved with something, I feel like energetically you just get sucked into these vortex. Like you guys, of course, you ended up at the at the coffee shop with the Formula One fan and the Formula One poster. Like, wh how else? Where else would you end up? You know, that's the magic of the road. All right, best small town. Best is the wrong word, but let's say a standout small town you visited along the way. Just like, wow, this is this place. Do I have special. time to answer this? I mean, do you, are you on a time limit? Oh no, we're on a podcast, my friend. Okay, so there's I, no I time limit. We got to a town. Uh, going to 
to North Dakota took us kind of off the diagonal track that would you would imagine from Florida to Seattle. It took us off there and, and gave us like this boop, boop, a bump because we traveled out of the way. But once we were up in North Dakota, we took Highway 2, which actually starts in Maine in the engine state of Washington. It goes all across the United States. It's a little two-lane highway. We took Highway 2 across North Dakota into Montana, Idaho, Washington. It's the end of the day, and we pulled into a town called Malta, Montana. And there was a, you know, there was nothing going on there. I mean, there was an ugly little hotel, which I'm glad I didn't have to stay in. And they rented our campsites out in front. So we rented the campsite, hooked our water up to it, hooked our electricity up to it. Let's walk around town. So we walked in into town and it was dirty and it was depressing. Lots of businesses out of business. Uh, it's just, and I, I told Michael, you know, 20 minutes into our little walk around this little town, I said, I, I would be so depressed to grow up in a town like this that, that as soon as I turned 18, I would, I would be out of here. I, I, I told him that exactly. All right. I didn't like the town, but we were there for the night and would just put up with it. Well, the lady at the campground said, you know, the, the only place in town to get a good meal is this saloon, a real saloon. And, you know, this saloon probably existed where in the old days they would tie their horses up to the front. Well, now there were pickup trucks in the front and the pickup trucks all had guns, but all the windows were down. I said, what? the windows and the trucks were down and guns were in the roof and the rack. It's like, well, you know, you talk to these people and they have to have guns because there's wolves that might attack their their herd of cows or whatever. And wow, so I'm in a real cowboy dance. So we sat down at a bar and start talking to people and they're telling us, you know, when Michael comes into a, a bar with his camera gear, he puts it on a well, a bunch of cowboys are playing pool and stuff. Who's this guy? So they come and talk to us. And and so we we talked to a couple of the cowboys. And it seems like everybody was related to everybody. One guy left. Another guy came. Or that was my cousin. And then he left. Another guy came. And that was my cousin. And so a guy comes over from the pool table. And his name was Stephen Johannesson. Johannesson. And... He said, I heard you guys want to find out what, it, what it's like around here, you know, in, in Malta, Montana. I said, well, yeah, I, you know, what's, what's it like living here? And he says, here's my address. And he scribbled it down. Here's my address. Meet me at 7 o'clock in the morning. Really? <laughs> I want to show you what life is like here. When I map quested it, it was 70 miles north, 70 miles north. So that guy lives 70 miles north. So for him to go to a, a crummy town and, and drink bad beer and play pool, he had to drive 70 miles south and then 70 miles north again to go home. Wow, that's a commitment. Well, we go up there, and he has the farm literally on the Canadian border. So the edge of his farm, on the other side of the fence, and there's a there's a uh, immigration checkpoint right there as well. Holy mackerel, he's on the top of America right there. And he said, that's your horse. I said, I don't ride horses. He said, you are today. Really? So I'm, I'm involved in a cattle roundup. And a cattle roundup is when all the local farmers come together and help each other. And they have to brand um, cattle, uh, little calves. And so you got the mamas protecting their babies. You got to separate the mamas from the babies. And they put up fencing and they have dogs and they have four, four wheelers and horses. And, yeah, get, ah, ah, and there's 50, 60 people there. And so then they get all the baby calves inside this fenced area and they have to start. So they hire the local high, high school football team and cheerleaders to come and pull these calves and they have to wrestle them to the ground and they, <laughs> they, they uh, brand them. They inject them with some kind of uh, uh, medicine to keep them from getting what they said was a bovine version of COVID. They put a tag in their ear and they castrate them. And like, wow. So these these girls that are doing that, they're good at it and they're cheerleaders. And I'm saying to myself, boy, if I'm if I'm a, a teenager in Malta, Montana, I'm not sure I want to go out with that girl. Holy mackerel. So <laughs> 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 so, you know, and I, I talked to Stephen about, you know, this whole uh, 
what it's like living here. And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm divorced and I have two daughters. They live 75 miles away. And I said, wow, so you live 70 miles from the town that you have to go to drink beer at. And your daughter lives, you know, daughter's ex-wife lives 75 miles away in some other direction. Like, how do you meet a girl here? There's no girl. So all there is guys and, and they're all related to you. He says, well, you know, uh, the Internet has given people who live like I do far away from everything. They've given us so many options. I have dating apps, you know, dating apps for for women that are like former girls, you know, and they're and so he said, I have a girlfriend 120 miles away and we see each other every week. Uh, I keep up with my daughters and they, on Zoom. I'm able to buy things that people can only buy in the city and I'm through Amazon. And it's it's given us a way to live a modern life. He said, I said, did you ever want to be anything else in your life than a cowboy? He said, well, yeah, I wanted to be. He's, I used to watch Jacques Cousteau as a kid on, on television. I wanted to be an underwater diver, um, a welder. He said, so I went to Chicago. I went to diving school. I went to college. I learned to weld underwater. But I had to come back home because this is the property that my family has owned for hundreds of years. When my great-grandfather came from um, Norway, he took the train to the end of the line, and then he walked for days to get to his piece of land that he was granted. And it was 600 acres. And it passed down from my great-grandfather to my grandfather to my father, and now it's down to me, and I still work at 600 acres. I love this town. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And I said to myself, Michael, I said, 14 hours ago, I said to myself, I would want to get out of this town and never come back. It's just an ugly, dirty place. And now I'm in love with it. This town suddenly was speaking to me. Like, it's it's not just about the appearances. It's about like a car. If you find a car, it's got a story. This town had a story. And I was able to find, you know, the, the story within this kind of crusty old town. And, and Stephen and I have have become, you know, online friends. And I look forward to going back up there and, and seeing them. And and that's my horse. And I want to go ride it again. It was, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing country and it's an amazing world. And if you just take the time to learn about people like Steven, you can enjoy that too. Yeah. Wow. Great story. What so a I gift hope, too. I hope that didn't go on too long. No, that's, but- that's great. I mean, sometimes it takes the the friendly local to open your eyes to the reality of what a place really is, at least through their eyes, or at least give you a different perspective on it. Because oftentimes as travelers, you know, like you said, passing through a town, you're getting the surface level impressions. And when you're traveling on a trip like that, you certainly have a lot to compare it to, right? How do you keep that mindset where you can go fresh and just try to just take it for what it is in the moment and then allow these experiences to happen. It's not an easy trick all the time. Right. Exactly. The, the, the vehicle allowed us the conveyance to go from point to point to point to see and to meet people at different points along the country. If we had a car that was old, let's say I chose a 55 Chevy to drive. Well, the car would have become more a part of the story which would have been that I would have had less time to spend about the scenery and the people. And so I'm glad that we chose this route of it. You know, it's, it's kind of counter to the rest of my books where I've always used an old car to bring us around. And I'm, I'm so happy I chose the new car route because I got to meet a guy like Stephen Johannesson, where in fact, I might've broken down 20 miles away from there and never met him. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day. I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years. 
I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks. So they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. Yeah, you can uh, speak from experience having driven some of these, like you said, the Model T across the US and everything. Tom, you would appreciate this because I've done two. I used to work in promotional marketing, so I do these traveling tours. I did a couple gigs for Purina for the Meow Mix cat food brand. So I drove a a Chevy van, but it looks like a cat because they created these custom fiberglass pieces and put it around it with whiskers. So and like everything. a wiener a wiener mobile yeah. for cats. Yeah. Yes, it was a cat mobile. It was the Meow Mix mobile. And so I I totally know what you're talking about when the car's the star. I'll never forget going to uh like the the coast out in California and just getting ready to walk out to see that incredible view. And like a whole horde of people just looking back the other way with their back towards the coast. I'm like, this right. this car right. is not the attraction, folks. Right. Turn around. Yep. <laughs> but you can't help it. I mean, an orange tabby cat going down the street. You know, what are you gonna <laughs> what are you gonna do? You know, it got me, got me some deals at some places, that's for sure. Like people oh, cat lovers yeah. are just like, hey, this place is, you know, really expensive, but now it's not because you have that cute cat car. Okay, you can stay here. So there, there are benefits to traveling in those uh, unique type of car. But I guess yeah. if I ever need a deal on like a car, you're going to be the first one I contact because <laughs> <laughs> what was the biggest surprise about this trip? Something you didn't expect going into it? Yeah, I don't have to tell you how, how uh, politicized this whole United States is. And you know, everybody's either for or against whatever their neighbors for, you know, like it doesn't matter. Everything is, is so opposed to each other. And I, I was hoping to find off the grid meeting people that are not near the coasts that might not be influenced as much by media. I hoped to find a different type of American. And I was happy to find that I did meet that different type of America. I was introduced to people who, they had to get the, the hay cut before the rain started so they could feed their calves, you know, so they had so they had enough hay in the barn to take them through the winter. Um, they were more interested in that than what whatever was playing on on on, on television that night on, on news on news program. So I, I was pleasantly surprised that, that I, at the end of this trip, that there was more that united us in the United States than divided us. I, I just felt that people that were not influenced as much by what lights other people's lights them on fire, so to speak, that, that these were people that had real lives. They had real jobs. They had real responsibilities and they didn't have a time to spend, you know, with conspiracy theories and things like that. So I, I was very pleasantly, uh, su not surprised. I was relieved that that was the way most of the people off the grid live. And when I say off the grid, I don't mean literally off the grid. They have telephones and things like that, computers and Wi-Fi. What I mean off the grid is that they live in areas that are, are not frequently traveled. So, you know, the, somebody coming through doing a book about their town doesn't happen very often. Yeah, right. Another surprise was, okay, I'm a typical American. I love America. All right, I'm going to have to get through Canada. So you, get, you go just beyond Seattle and Washington, and then you jump over the, the border and you're in Vancouver. All right, let me get through British Columbia. Let me get through Yukon. Let me get back to America, which is Alaska. Let me just get through this thing. It's like 2,200 miles. I'll get through as quick as I can. That was the most beautiful part of the trip. What I 
what I remotely discounted as a transit zone to get me back to the where I wanted to be now has become something that I've told my wife, you know what, I'd like to rent a camper and that you and I would go on a uh, an extended time just in British Columbia and Yukon. Oh my God, it's virgin territory. The people are great. The scenery is amazing. The air is clean. The traffic is light. It's 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 wonderful. So one surprise to me was that that transit zone turned out to be the most beautiful part of the, of the whole trip. Wow. We love travel recommendations here. So I would love to hear your top three hidden gems that you would say, oh, these places are worth going. Like these are places I'd want to go back to and that I would recommend other people see. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, well, that that would certainly be one of them, and that one of them would be I'm I'm grouping thousands of miles here, but British Columbia, Yukon, beautiful, and I find that a lot of Europeans, I, I think that you know, there's going to be a lot of Europeans that are going to aspire to do trips like this, as there were when I did the Route 66 book. It's like people just you know, sometimes people in Europe see things that that we don't see in America. We just take it for granted, so. A lot of Europeans come into Canada and go for Alaska from there. Um, and so they felt they already know that that's the best part, but a lot of Americans don't realize that. I'd say another one is, uh, well, just kind of a, the middle America, the middle America. I'm saying, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, that whole, what I call kind of blues territory this is you know where the blues artists live music musicians and we stumbled michael is a musician and he's he's looking at a map and he says oh my god muscle shoals we're coming up on muscle shoals and i'd heard of muscle shoals but it didn't ring a ring a bell i said what's muscle shoals he said, that's the recording studio where the rolling stones recorded you know the sticky fingers album oh really they went to alabama so we went to muscle shoals which is that far from Helen Keller's home. Like Helen Keller lives in one town over from Muscle Shoals. So you got, you know, Helen Keller, deaf, dumb, and blind, and the, and Mick Jagger kind of in, in the same neighborhood almost. Muscle Shoals is where like music, you know, rock and rollers and blues musicians perform for decades and they still do. And it's old technology, it's tubes. And this is concrete building that gives out a special vibe. Uh, musicians from around the world come there. You can only find that in this central, you know, United States area, little gems like that, like the world's largest ball of twine. Like, you know, there's this ball of twine you could actually walk up to and touch. And there's enough twine there to go from like Washington, D.C. to to New York City. That's how much twine there is. These little gems, some farmer decided to make a ball of twine. Now it's there. And then finally, the third one would be um, the final leg between Fairbanks, Alaska, and Dead Horse, Alaska. If your listeners uh, have ever watched that show, Ice Road Truckers, that has quite a following on TV, um, this road is that road, the Dalton Highway. And Ice Road Truckers is filmed in the wintertime when the the tundra and they're driving across lakes and stuff because it's all frozen well we drove it in the summertime and it's all potholes and dust and if you want to be lonelier than you've ever been in your life that's where you go because once you leave fairbanks it's a 500 mile trip to dead horse and there's only one place in the middle called um cold cold foot that you can stop and get fuel you can spend the night camp or whatever you can buy groceries there's one little place so from fairbanks 250 miles up to coldfoot and then 250 miles up to dead horse lonely 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 and they say if you have a breakdown if you have a flat tire if your car breaks down if you run off the road and crash whatever it's your fault you didn't take this road seriously enough you know so uh it's um it's an eye-opener because you are totally in charge of your life and if if you go off the road into a gully or whatever that that's gonna be the end of you even if you have something like a breakdown if your transmission fails if you don't have extra spare tires and you blow out you could be there for days nobody's going to come and save you it's it's the loneliest place i've ever been 
and it was pretty magical because it's it's virgin territory, mountains and trees and bear. And look, there's a moose, there's an elk, there's a musk ox. It's it's pretty special. The least impressive spot on this whole trip was the end of the road. We started at this fabulous place called Key West, Florida, and we spent two days there experiencing it. At the end, we felt we should spend two days at the end of the trip, which was Dead Horse, which is an oil refinery. It's not, it's, it's not a town that we know of. There's no children, schools, churches, stores, dogs. There's nothing. It's, this is an industrial complex and muddy, just muddy roads and big equipment running around. And there's a place, you know, there's a couple of places you can stay as, as a tourist. But it's not a place you want to go on vacation, I'll tell you that. It's a place you want to go touch it. In my case, I jumped in the, in the Arctic Ocean. I, I, I got my polar, uh, polar, you know, plunge certificate. You want to turn around and go back because it's, it's just an oily, dirty town. But, you know, it's diametrically opposed to Key West in more ways than one. Not only is it <laughs> diagonally across the world, so to speak, from Key West, but it's a whole other world. And you know what? I was glad to see it too. It's really interesting in that moment to reflect back on where you started that juxtaposition between those two locations. Yeah, palm so trees ex- so extreme, rigs. you know? Palm, palm trees to oil rigs. I never thought about that. You're right. That says a lot about the, there's so much diversity across that whole stretch in so many ways. You mentioned the beauty there, even though there was solitude, but there's beauty in solitude as well. But the nature experiences or some of the nature you saw along the way, I was just curious, was there a standout destination that caught you in terms of the the nature experience? Well, Dead Horse was interesting in that, uh, you know, musk oxes, which, you know, if, as I was described to you, would be like a bull with long hair, real long hair. Well, they lived there long before the oil companies took root there. So you wake up in the morning and you walk out to your parking lot and there's a musk ox leaning against the building sleeping. Wow. So this is where man, machine, and nature have to get along. The most surprising part of the trip (laughs) was in the middle of, uh, you know, Yukon. And we're on a dirt road, Alaska Highway is dirt. It was okay. And we're hungry. So there's like a little general store. Now, you might go hours without seeing any kind of commercial establishments at all. No houses, nothing. We pull in for lunch. Well, the only thing they had for lunch is those hot dogs that roll on those rollers all day long. All day long. Stale buns. You know, that, that, so we had an option of one. A hot dog. And uh, so we had it. So I'm out. We're eating our hot dogs. And I, there's a, a woman and a, a man or a young man. I started talking to them. They had their bicycles there. And uh, it was a mother and son from Montana. And they were riding their bicycles from southern Montana to Dead Horse and then down to Anchorage over the course of the summer. Holy mackerel. So they had already done Route 66. They had already done a lap around the Great Lakes on previous trips. Um, the son had uh, was autistic. And so this was, you know, a way for him to experience the world it, w- it was a beautiful thing and so we spent a lot of time talking to them we're in the middle of nowhere they say there were a hundred people and a thousand bison that live within 20 miles of this place and there's a guy standing over on the side so i talking to her and i'm interviewing them whatever and i say goodbye and this guy came over me i'm in the middle of nowhere on a dirt road he says you the barn fight hunter <laughs> I said, how do you know? He said, man, my son and I watch your, your show every, all the time. I said, wow, really? I said, where are you from? He said, from New Jersey. And he's on a Harley Davidson. So there's motorcycles on the Alcan Highway. You're making this big trip like this up to Dead Horse. Motorcycles are all over the place. But they're usually KTMs, BMWs. They're adventure bikes. But this guy and his two friends who live in New Jersey got in their full-dress Harley Davidsons. And they told their wives, okay, well, we'll be back when we're done. And they rode these Harleys all the way up to Dead Horse. And we met them on the way back. And, you know, the saddlebags are dripping with mud and stuff. And, and these guys were so happy. Like, they're going back to New Jersey. Like, wow. <laughs> pretty pretty cool. So, so what that does is it, it tells me that, that your 
uh, audience can take any kind of vehicle. You don't have to have a special Bronco and a trailer or an adventure bike. You could get on your Harley Davidson or, you know, in your Volkswagen Jetta and you could do, do a version of this same adventure. It doesn't take anything except the desire to see something new. And maybe a spare tire or two on that one stretch, right? <laughs> you, want, you want to do that. A <laughs> little bit of car knowledge, make sure the, the oil's all good and everything. Yep. What is your best road trip advice? Uh, just general road trip advice or something that's maybe it's less obvious. You've done a lot of road tripping for your for your YouTube series. You're Obviously, you've done this trip. I mean, you've done a lot of road tripping. What What is uh, the advice you have for, for making a great uh, You trip? know, I... I... I'm a, a, a bit of a Luddite, as you can probably realize, I'm trying to hook up to this broadcast with you. Um, I like old-fashioned things. I like old-fashioned cars. I just So this little device, my phone, I can find my way anywhere in the world with that GPS. It tells me how to get there, but it doesn't tell me where I am. I love atlases. Give me an atlas. It shows me where I am, where I'm going, what I'm going through, what I'm going past. Maybe I want to take a side trip. A GPS doesn't allow you to see oh, this interesting side trip over here. There's a scenic view, whatever. It just gets you from start to finish. But a map allows you to see where you're going. Sometimes I bring an atlas with me when I fly across the United States just so like, oh, okay, I know that what town that is. That's the road. That's Interstate 40, whatever. An atlas is a beautiful thing. And so for someone like me, it's it's the Bible of travel. And I have a well-worn one sitting in, in my back, back uh, in my pickup truck because I survive with atlases. I love them. Love it. That's great advice. The book, we should mention it again, America's Greatest Road Trip, Key West to Dead Horse, 9,000 Miles Across Back Road, USA. Yeah, Tom, do you have any other places you want people to check you out or yeah, share whatever you want here? Well, let's see. Um, the book is now available. I, I think it hit warehouses last week. Uh, it, it would be an ideal Christmas present. Um, so that's the timing of this. It's like we had to get it done so we could make it for Christmas 2023. Um, I, I love to do talks about this. Uh, so, I, you know, they keep an eye on me. Sometimes Haggerty, who, who employs me to do their Barn Find Hunter series, uh, sends me around the country and I give talks. Go to Amazon to buy the book or go to motorbooks.com to buy the book or go, my preference is go to your local independent bookstore because those stores are surviving by the skin of their teeth. If you buy this book from Amazon, Jeff Bezos will never know you made the purchase. But if you buy this book from a local Main Street independent bookstore, the owner will thank you for it because you're helping keep that place alive. So... Buy it any way you want because I think it's a good book. It's a good read. But if you can make somebody's life a little bit better by that purchase, by buying it from uh, a local independent small bookstore, please do that. Love it. Love it. That's a great place to end. Thank you so much for your time. It was a blast, man. Thanks so much. Thank you very much once again to Tom Cotter for stopping by the show and sharing his adventures on that road trip. Epic road trip. I wonder, what is the longest road trip you've taken? I was trying to think of that myself. Uh, I, I did drive straight across the country once over five days, but that was just, a, I had just had to get the vehicle from San Francisco to New York. And I've done a lot of cross-country trips like that. Are those the longest? I don't know. I got to rack my brain. Anyway, if you want to share your longest road trip or a story or you just want to check in or say hi i invite you to get in touch and make this a two-way conversation please because this is a community-powered show i make this show for you jason at zero to travel.com is my email i got a link to my voicemail box here in the show notes and always invite you to get in touch it would be lovely to hear from you thank you to everybody who has been getting in touch and just shout out for spending time this week on this upgrade your bucket list destinations themed week i hope you enjoyed it doesn't mean we're not going to be talking about destinations at all in the coming episodes but i just thought it would be fun to theme out one of these weeks i got another themed week coming later on so stay tuned for that i'm going to leave you with a 
quote in just a moment from one of the road trip kings, at least in pop culture, you may be recognized as one of the road trip kings, Mr. Jack Kerouac. First, what I said at the top, tying in with that story that Tom told about how that crummy town that he referred to when he was there and just kind of, you know, didn't think it was anything special. And then it really came to life for him. And this is the a reminder, just the thing that popped to my head, the number one thing we always should keep in mind as travelers, wherever we are, if we're down, if we think a place is crappy, it's all about the people, isn't it? When it comes down to it, isn't it really all about the people? And when you can be in one of those ho-hum destinations, did I say that? I, I never said that in my life, a ho-hum destination. <laughs> when you're in a ho-hum destination, you know, you meet the right person and they show you a good time, they give you an insight into their life. I've been invited into people's homes or taken around or shown spots that I never would have found on my own. I'm just having this montage of memories kind of enter my brain as I talk to you. It just makes the place so special. Really, it is really about the people. So let's just keep that in mind as we're out there roaming, traveling, going about our day, even locally. It's just one person can really brighten your day and make a place and you know the other thing that's beautiful is you can be that person wherever you live to somebody else and that's such a gorgeous thing so just wanted to wrap up with that and this quote from jack kerouac who said live travel adventure bless and don't be sorry thanks for listening and i'll see you next time peace and love to you and yours cheers this podcast has been brought to you by zero to travel.com ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.